Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. We have a new head hockey coach and Michigan football is enjoying Rome. And we'll even see the Pope on Wednesday before getting started with the three remaining spring practice sessions. Editor John Borton from the Wolverine magazine is my guest today on our game day segment. It's that time of year again when things start slowing down for the summer on the Michigan athletic scene. So a reminder that in May, June, and July, we are on our summer schedule of two regular shows a month and probably a Michigan man extra each month. And when that airs, I will alert you on Facebook and Twitter. So as I say every year, we're not going away, just slowing down to enjoy summer before it gets crazy again in August as we prepare for another season of Michigan football and go back to our regular programming schedule. Before we get to news and notes today, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Skills. Skills lets you play the mobile games you love and win real cash prizes. Check out the bowling game because it is very addictive and the pool game a lot of fun. All Skills games are free to play with the option of competing for cash and prizes. That's right, you can win real money playing games on your iOS or Android device. Mike C. and Alex H. both won over $100,000 playing strike bowling on their phone. In fact, Skills has awarded over $70 million in prizes since 2014. You can win up to $150 in a single tournament with entry fees as low as a penny. Skills has a variety of games, including puzzles, bubble bursting, bowling, pool, solitaire, trivia, and much more. Join over 50,000 users that have won over $100 or more. Download your favorite game at skills.com Michigan and start winning cash playing games on your phone or tablet. And when you make a deposit, use the promo code MICHIGAN for an extra $10. That's skills.com skills with a Z. On news and notes today, we'll keep it short because John Borton and I covered a lot of ground on the game day segment and it's about 37 minutes in length. Jake Long announced on Monday he's calling it quits after nine years in the NFL. The last few years have been injury plagued for Jake and he's decided enough is enough. So best wishes to a great Michigan man, Jake Long, as he begins his life after football. Red Berenson's retirement leaves big shoes to fill for Michigan hockey. Ward Manuel, with I'm sure some input from Red, announced over the weekend that Mel Pearson was coming back and would be the next head coach for Michigan hockey. And that's to no one's surprise. Up next on game day, John Borton and I will discuss that, Michigan's Rome adventure, and much more. Here on The Michigan Man, on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on this week's edition of our game day segment is uh, the editor of the Wolverine magazine, John Borton. John, great to have you back with us. Good to be back with you, Mike. As we know, a very busy time with a lot going on in the Michigan athletic scene right now. The big story, uh, Mel Pearson announced as the successor to Coach Red Berenson for Michigan hockey. I'm not sure if that was a well-kept secret or not, but it's uh, great news for all followers of Michigan hockey. Well, we had people telling us that that this was a, a very likely uh, 
event to come about, and now it has. They've made it official. Uh, Michigan hiring Mel Pearson as uh, as head hockey coach, and I, you know, I think you had a signal of it, uh, or at least of something along these lines, when uh, Ward Manuel, Michigan's athletic director, retains Red as an advisor after his retirement. Well, obviously. Red is going to have input, and and he signaled things in his retirement statements talking about he'd love to see it be someone who knows Michigan, who gets Michigan, who who knows uh, the values here and how it ought to be and and all of that. And that that pretty well screams uh, a former assistant, someone who was uh, in the mix in uh, Michigan's heyday and uh, and in recent years, and now he's been at uh, Michigan tech for six, but uh, Mel Pearson gets it. He gets Red Berenson, he gets Michigan hockey, and so I don't think it's a, a huge surprise to too many. Look what he did at Michigan Tech in his, uh, you know, almost six years there. A team that went, I think, 34 years without a postseason appearance, and they've been back the last, I believe, three years. But when he was uh, behind the bench with Red here at Michigan, always known as a great recruiter, too. Oh, no doubt about it. And uh, <laughs> Michigan did some great recruiting along in those years. And you, you look at the, the players that they brought in and that they sent to the NHL, uh, it, that's a part of it. There's no doubt these days, especially especially because as they went along, it became they were able to retain so many players for so many years throughout the course of their normal college career. And it, it, that's tougher and tougher these days. To, uh, you get somebody that uh, is an exceptional player, and they're gone after a year or two. And so you are constantly trying to replace great talent with great talent. And uh, so that will be a challenge. There's no doubt about it, because I, I would say it was a different game in the 1990s when Michigan was just absolutely at the apex of the, the college hockey world. It's tougher to stay up there uh, if you're not continually just reloading that talent pipeline. And I'll, I'll just add this. You, know, you said uh, you talked about... Um, the last three years for Michigan Tech hockey, and uh, and Mel Pearson had him at 75, 34, and 14 over those years. Uh, he was, in his first three years, establishing a program there, uh, reestablishing, and, and did a pretty good job with it. You look at uh, when Red Berenson came into Michigan hockey and tried to reestablish things after uh, a number of rocky years. You know, he had three sub-500 seasons in a row, and uh, and then you know just took off for decades of of really a dominant program. So uh, I think that uh, Mel went up there and showed what he had to show as a head coach, um, which was it was a necessary thing. It probably wasn't easy for him to leave Michigan because he loved it here, uh, but to to go and establish himself to be a head coach and so you come to this point and it looks like he's made all the bright moves because this opens up and I know uh, that deep down this is, would be something that he would have coveted uh, all those years uh, thinking about at some point Red is uh, going to hang him up and uh, this opportunity would be here. Probably unlike any of the other major Division One sports, John, uh, hockey, uh, when it comes to players leaving early, I know we worry about it in basketball. We see it to a degree, but later in the academic cycle for football players, you can have a number one, number two recruiting class in hockey, and if it's that good, 
you might lose the bulk of them the next spring to the NHL draft. So uh, hockey now at the NCAA Division One level, if you want to stay elite, you really cannot have an off year in recruiting, which makes his hire huge. There's no doubt about it. And it's, it's just, it's, um, boy, it's almost if you have too good of a recruiting year, uh, you, you have to load up that much more quickly because those guys just aren't going to be around if they prove to be as good as you know they were looked at uh, coming in. It's a very, very difficult uh, situation. Like you mentioned, the other sport, football, somebody has to be around three years. It takes longer for football players to develop anyway, but there's some kind of assurance there that, okay, you're going to have somebody over this span of time if you sign them. Not the case in hockey, obviously. So, uh, absolutely. Mel and the, and the staff that he puts together is uh, going to have to not only uh, recruit at a very high level every year, uh, they're going to have to work, try to work some magic. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't often bring Tom Izzo into a discussion of Michigan <laughs> sports, but Tom Izzo uh, has had a lot of success about having players stick around beyond when, when they could have gone pro. I mean, you look at uh, Miles Bridges uh, in the most recent example, uh, staying when, when he wouldn't necessarily have had to. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you get some of these uh, superstar players that could be could make that jump to the NHL, uh, convince them that, it's it's in their best interest to stick around another year or two. Well, a lot of work to do, but great news for uh, Michigan hockey fans. Rest easy. Uh, it will be interesting to watch here as, as we head into next year. The other thing we're all thinking about and following these days, John, of course, is Michigan football's trip to Rome. The team arrived in Rome early Sunday morning, our time, and they did not take a, a minute to rest. They were out seeing the sights and mingling as soon as they got off the plane, weren't they? Oh, no doubt about it. You see them... Uh... Uh, at the various uh, spots that uh, are so historic over in Rome and, and just uh, looking like they're having a ball, posing for all the pictures, the videos, uh, talking to uh, uh, kids and, and uh, to adults that are interested in uh, American football. And uh, you know, you've got a Wilton Spate talking to refugees. And uh, what a what an incredible educational experience for these guys uh it's the way jim harbaugh thinks is uh is amazing beyond uh trying to get to <laughs> the big 10 championship game the playoffs and all that all of which he's going to do by the way but along the way there's there's something special here um i, I think his old coach bo schembechler would be incredibly proud of him in what he's doing with this program, what he's injecting into it, um, the fact that you know, like in his own words, he'd, he'd love to see the uh, the student come back into student athlete, and in this sort of opportunity, he gets to uh, expose players to a different part of the world, a different way of of living, a different way of thinking, and then to have all of the educational opportunities that are going to be taking place beyond Rome when these guys fan out to Spain and to Iceland and to all over the place. It's, it's really pretty amazing what uh, they were able to, uh, what Jim Harbaugh was able to conceive in his own mind and then what they were able to logistically put together 
over a course of a few weeks. It is amazing. I thought it was funny uh, after the game last week, after the spring game at BTN, Michelle McMahon was uh, talking to Jim and she said, I'm surprised you haven't invited the Pope to practice, Jim. And he said, we did, but he's busy. Uh, <laughs> but, but we're going to get to see him on Wednesday. So that's another thing, as Jim said later, no other college football team can say they've seen the Pope. There you go. And, and Jim's all about uh, setting new standards, uh, new records, uh, 1% better. And uh, he, he's got a few percent better when uh, when he takes these guys to Rome and uh, and puts them in situations that will grow them as people will uh the, some a trip that they'll remember the rest of their lives and uh, there's no doubt there's a there's a PR element to this um, you've got ESPN tagging along and and broadcasting all of this and you know Michigan football and you know people down south are just tearing their hair out and <laughs> grumbling over you know what's this, what's this guy doing and and all of that but that's a part of it Jim Harbaugh has put Michigan football on display for the whole world to see. Uh, But at the same time, at the heart of it, what he's doing is taking his team and saying, you know, you're going to have a growth experience here and we're going to have a bonding experience. And this is this is all part of um, your education as a Michigan football player and as a University of Michigan student. And that's, um, that's priceless. And you just mentioned the PR element. Uh, I was wondering from the minute uh, we heard the team was going to Rome, you know, how much media play this would get. I think for Michigan fans, it's been pretty easy uh, from ESPN to our local press. But I'm surprised. Just Google it. There are a ton of media outlets over there following this. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you've got... Uh, all the daily uh, people that uh, cover this team, you've got, uh, you know, ESPN, you've got uh, just just a host of people that wanted in on it. There's no doubt that uh, Jim Harbaugh himself is a fascination. Michigan football is once again, you know, in the in the national limelight and figures to stay there for some time. You've got the element that uh, uh, none of these reporters, you you know that uh, a lot of the local people were, were pushing their bosses, saying, <laughs> hey, we need to do this, uh, knowing that they would be making that trip as well. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's, uh, it, it is part of the Harbaugh effect, the Harbaugh phenomenon that just keeps on going. He, he's, um, he, he just thinks differently. He sees things differently. He sees a, a bigger picture than anyone around him, and it accrues to the benefit of Michigan football. Well, we can't forget that intermingled with the uh, educational and cultural experience this week is football. Free practices in Rome, there's still a lot of football to be coached and experienced. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And there's, um, you know, points to be made. And there's uh, there's a guy like uh, quarterback Brandon Peters who would love to follow up on his spring game effort and and uh, show these coaches before they disperse for the summer that, that hey, that was no fluke. I am, uh, I'm a guy that should get serious consideration to be looked at as a, as a challenger, as at least the um, top guy to go in if Wilton Spate should falter. On the other hand, you've got Wilton Spate uh, probably smarting a little bit from uh, a spring game effort that wasn't what he would have liked, and knowing, okay, he he said after the game, 
there's going to be a buzz. I understand that the quarterback is looked at and criticized and, and picked apart. And, uh, and he knows what the fans are going to be saying. I mean, I, I was walking around to the press conferences outside of Michigan stadium. And I, I heard the little clusters of, you know, so Peters is the guy. Peters is the guy. <laughs> Wilma Spade doesn't look at it that way. Jim Harbaugh doesn't look at it this, that way at this point, uh, saying that, that Spate is still Michigan's quarterback, number one, coming out of, of that game. Uh, but everything's subject to a competition. Everything is subject to uh, change. And whereas you've got a guy who has read all the defenses and been in those situations that had to play at Iowa, at Ohio State, and knows what that's like, and, and that gives him a leg up, um, it, it doesn't give him a free pass. So if you're Wilton Spate, you want to take these last three practices and when they are in scrimmage situations, show, okay, I'm going to make good decisions. I'm going to prove that, uh, just or reaffirm that I am the guy here and ready to lead this team into the 2017 season. No, there's no question Brandon Peters was the buzz uh, after uh, Saturday's spring game. But the uh, one of the other areas or surprises to me uh, at any rate was the uh, the offensive line play. And again, I went into the spring game with some low expectations. You just don't ever expect the offensive line play to be up to snuff in March or April, whenever the spring game is. But I thought the blocking, especially the uh, the, the run blocking, was very good. Pass blocking, a little bit shaky at times, but overall, pretty darn good for a, a group that includes a lot of young players. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And there's a lot of elements to that. You talk about young players, you do have some veterans to call on, and that's uh, that's a key for this offensive line. You talk about having a Mason Cole to be able to kick out to left tackle. And um, the idea would have been for Grant Newsom to still be healthy and at left tackle and Cole at center, but that's not the way it is. And But to have him to be able to move over there and solidify that very important spot on the field and have a fifth-year senior like Pat Kugler to step in. Uh, Michigan's had some... Uh, very, very solid one-year centers, guys that have been groomed all the way through and really never risen to a starting regular starting position until their last year, and they've stepped into that center spot. I think of like guys like Kurt Anderson and, and various ones that gave you that one year that you really, really needed, and it may be in this case that it's Pat Kugler, and he's, he's a veteran. Uh, you've, you've got to consider Ben Bredesen a veteran now after starting eight games at uh, that left guard spot last year. He's got the physical tools, and now you know he can step up. Uh, and Michael Unwinu, uh, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh wants him to drop some weight. They, he made that clear recently. The kid's 370. He can move even at that weight, but they're thinking about how well he can move if, uh, if he sheds a few pounds this summer. But just a, a physically gifted young man. And then you've got guys, you know, some talent battling out at that, that other tackle. And you made a good point that uh, the defense is always ahead of the offense at this point in the spring uh, as uh, as the offense is coming together. Then you add the Don Brown factor. Spate said afterwards that, that Pep Hamilton, the new quarterbacks and receivers coach, came in afterwards and saying, you know, that, that Don Brown threw some looks at this uh, offense that uh, that even Pep Hamilton and all his experience in college, in the pros, had never seen. Um, and you know that uh, Harbaugh wanted to put a lot of pressure 
on the quarterbacks and especially the starting quarterback. And, and Don Brown is going to have some weapons coming back. We saw that. We saw the speed of a Devin Bush flying through there. If, uh, if he's not picked up uh, correctly, he's on the quarterback in a heartbeat. So, yeah, there were, uh, there were a few glitches that would need to be smoothed out. But the thing about it is this offensive line, looked better than a lot of people expected it to. And, and people that uh, really closely monitor uh, the individuals and the group up front. And so that was, a, that was a plus coming out of that game, no doubt. Just think of it, too. There were only 12 practices counting that uh, spring game because of the Rome trip. Uh, we had another practice uh, in Ann Arbor last week. And then, of course, the three in Rome. So doubly impressive to me that the offensive line is where it was in that game. But now that the spring game is over and we've had a look at this team, your overall thoughts, John, uh, on Michigan's offense right now? I think uh, Michigan's offense has a chance to be very potent, but that's it's in tandem. It's never... It's never uh, in itself because what your defense does has a lot to say about what your offense might do. Uh, there's no doubt that last year uh, Michigan's defensive high level of production put Michigan's offense in some very good positions. I think despite the fact that you're going to have an NFL draft this week that is heavily populated with Michigan defenders uh, that were a huge part of that thing last year, I, I think that um, this defense is going to be in a position to do it again because maybe not at the as high a level. That, would be, that, that might be asking too much at this point. But you see uh, the talent that Don Brown has. I just think, uh, you asked me about the offense, but I think that the defense is going to be able to put them in good positions. Now, that leaves you into, okay, Wilton Spate has had that year. He knows how to take care of the football despite what happened in the, uh, in the spring game. And he's got a lot of young talent around him. If that offensive line continues to grow and stays as solid as it is, this offense is going to be good. You've got backs that can get it done. You looked in the spring game and, and you saw Karan Higdon uh, breaking out and having great runs. You saw Ty Isaac playing more physically, which the coaches are very excited about in his final year in a Michigan uniform. And you also saw Chris Evans. They gave him, what, the part of the first quarter, just yeah. a series. They want to make sure that he didn't get banged up in the spring game. But even in the short time that you saw him, you saw a flash of uh, him taking a wildcat snap. You saw him split out at receiver and catching a pass. Very versatile, great feet. And so the, the running backs are veterans and very talented there. And then you have this host of uh, wideouts that uh, – some of them, thankfully for Michigan, have played, got their feet wet last year, and, and guys like Kakoa Crawford and Eddie McDoom uh, know what they're doing and are ready to jump in. But then you've got the building in the first-year talent behind them, Tariq Black with 50 yards and five catches, I believe, uh, in the spring game, and then Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is a physical freak and is going to, uh, he looks like, uh, the real deal that he can supplement there. You've got so many elements to a good offense. It's got to come together. They've got to have a summer together because Wilton Spate and Brandon Peters and John 
oak horn have to get more accustomed to these younger receivers and vice versa and, and put in the time and make sure that they're together, that the timing is there so that uh, the the almost uh, completion that might turn into an interception or a pick six like you saw in the, the spring game either doesn't get thrown or the receiver makes a better cut or they're more on the same page so that that becomes a completion instead of seeing the ball go the other way. Lots of things have to come together, but I really like the look of this, and I, I think that um, both offense and defense can mesh together. Into, um, I, I've said this a few times. You've got Florida in the opening game, and that is a big, big showdown. Uh, I think one that Michigan can win. If Michigan gets by that game, I think it goes into – Happy Valley at midseason, six and zero, and by that time, you've had a lot of time for these guys to grow up. So, uh, you asked me about the <laughs> offense, and I kind of gave you the whole whole shot there. But it, I, it, it does work together, and I like where they are right now. Well, and and I too feel good about the offense, even more so after seeing the spring game. But uh, I thought it was interesting last week. I saw Coach Don Brown on with uh, Jerry DiNardo on BTN, and he's such an intense guy, as his players say. But he was talking about what a great group of kids this is uh, that he has to coach. Plenty of talent there, John. I know some folks are worried about maybe the depth on the uh, the defensive line needing to be filled in. But we have new linebackers other than Mike McCray new faces in the secondary. So I suppose there are more questions than answers about this group right now, but uh, one thing we do know is there is an abundance of talent. There's no doubt about it, and I like his scheme. I like you talking about depth. Uh, we saw flashes of Carlo Kemp in that spring game. I think he's going to be able to add some there. They're working some younger guys into the defensive line. Those tackle spots are, are really, really important. A guy like Brian Monet, for him to stay healthy, which he has not done in the past. You've got an Aubrey Solomon coming in to uh, to take a backup role very much like you had Rashawn Gary come in a year ago, and now you've got him as somebody that's going to be a standout up there. So there are parts to the puzzle that you have to bring along, plug in, all of that, and it's the same for the secondary. Not only do you have all new starters, but you've got to find depth as well. Yeah, there are questions, but you have to like the hands that they're in, and you have to like the fact that you look at Don Brown, and think about the talent that he had at Boston College and what he did there compared to what he's got now. I think uh, that you know, he, he might not say it, uh, being diplomatic, but he knows he's got more to work with now in Ann Arbor than he had out in Boston College, regardless of experience. They've got to grow up in a hurry, a lot of these guys, but there's no doubt. These, the guys that Jim Harbaugh has put in charge know what they're doing. The other area that uh, I was watching closely, and as fans, we oftentimes overlook it until uh, the regular season when we miss an extra point or miss that big field goal, is that kicking game and the punting game. But I thought, uh, as advertised, Quinn Nordine has one heck of a cannon for a leg, doesn't he? I think that field goal is still traveling. <laughs> I don't know if it, it went out one of the tunnels and out the stadium or not, but uh, no, 48 yards and hits the top of the net. The ball was, uh, it was just uh, a bullet. That thing would have been good from uh, at least mid-60s to, to high-60s. Uh, and that 
got everybody in the big house buzzing. Uh, you know, it's one kick, but there's that one kick demonstrates that not only does he have an amazing leg and a very powerful leg, but that he could be uh, accurate with it under pressure. So that's a big deal. Uh, other parts of the special teams, you know, we don't we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We've got uh, Brad Robbins that is coming in. <coughs> excuse me, as a punter, and he looks like an has an extremely powerful leg. In some of the videos I've seen, you know, drop the punt with uh, Nate Johnson. You don't like to see that, but uh, they've got a lot of contestants who could uh, return those. So I I think that uh, it's going to be very solid, especially given the fact that you lost a Jabril Peppers and a Kenny Allen. Uh, on the recruiting uh, trail, though, which is um, always going full steam, Michigan picked up another two commits last week from the Texas Twins, then lost out on three high-profile kids uh, including the highest-ranked quarterback left in the class of 2018, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. He announced Sunday night he's going to UCLA. Um, I guess you can't get them all, John. No, no, you can't. But uh, I, I think they're uh, they're very pleased uh, with these defensive backs out of Texas. You got a couple of twins, and uh, uh, that's that's the ultimate package deal. Um, <laughs> I, you know, you look at. Uh, Michigan's recruiting, and you know going in that it is going to be uh, <clears throat> a situation where they have to be pretty selective this year. It's not like they're going to be giving out 33 scholarships uh, like they did a year ago or uh, or into the 30s. Um, even given the attrition that we're, is bound to come, it's just natural throughout the year. They will have high teens, maybe 20 to give out this year. So they have to be a little bit more selective. You're looking at uh, Gimon Green, uh, 6'2", 173, uh, as a cornerback, a three-star. And uh, German Green, uh, his brother, 6'2", 180. Uh, these guys um, are have the talent that uh, that Jim Harbaugh is looking for in a couple of uh, of defensive backs and uh, the mobility, the speed, uh, it, it's a good fit. That's what they're looking for. They're looking to be uh, very selective and um, with you know this a nice complement to what they have already. Uh, you've got a. a Young recruiting class, young in the sense that it's it's early in the process, and they've already put an emphasis on defense. They've got uh, three defensive backs already. These uh, the Green brothers, in uh, addition to Miles Sims, who is just a, a standout, maybe the uh, star of the class at this point, of the four star out of Atlanta. In addition to that, you've got a defensive end out of uh, Dearborn, uh, a, the, the legacy uh, of Aiden Hutchison. Oh, everybody remembers Chris, and that's his son. And then you've got uh, Otis Reese, the linebacker out of Georgia. So five out of the seven uh, so far that they have commitments from are on the defensive side of the ball. You know that makes the Don Brown smile. In addition, you've got a, you know, a couple of uh, a running back out of Georgia and uh, and the offensive lineman Emil Echior out of Indianapolis. So um, yeah, a good start for uh, the recruiting class, and certainly. Um, what everybody's talking about of late, 
are uh, are the Green Brothers. Uh, currently, three stars for both under the rival system. I pretty much guarantee you that will be going up in the days to come as more people see what these guys can do and know the value that Michigan has placed on them. I know fans get all nervous when uh, we don't get everyone out there or some of these top commits, but don't worry, it's, uh, it's all going to work out. With us here on our game day segment this week is the editor of the Wolverine, John Borton. John, just a few things before we uh, let you get out of here. Uh, some other sports that deserve our attention. Uh, Coach Carol Hutchins and her team in the middle of a so-called reload year. They took two or three over the weekend from Wisconsin. Of course, no Sierra Romero this year. But the beat goes on, doesn't it, John? Oh, there's no doubt. And uh, and Michigan softball is never going to fall very far. Now they've got a battle, you know, in the in the Big Ten with uh, you've got Minnesota up there, and Michigan's problem there is they don't get to play the Gophers, <laughs> uh, so they're they're playing catch up there. Uh, but what you know about a Carol Hutchins team currently in second place in the Big Ten is that uh, they are going to come along and get better and better and, and be something to uh, be a team that has to be dealt with in the um, in the tournament time. And uh, I just it just is beyond me why you know you have a couple of contenders in the Big Ten and they're not playing each other. But you know that's that is what it is. And uh, Michigan. Has a uh, has a team that has held up pretty well so far. It uh, it is not like last year, but I think you know you you've got some very solid players, um, Kelly Christner, Faith Canfield, that are hitting the ball extremely well. Abby Ramirez, um, and you got Megan Betza, who is just uh, has been rock solid, uh, nineteen and seven at this point, one thirty ERA. I, I think that. Um, they are going to be a team to be reckoned with, as I said, as you get closer to the uh, to tournament time and uh, all that uh, that this program has done over the years. They don't want to fall too far uh, once those big uh, May games roll around. No, and as you said, sort of uh, crazy to figure out how the schedule makers left the two best teams in the Big Ten last year. Uh, off the schedule as far as meeting <laughs> this year. I mean, Minnesota's no joke. Last year they won the the Big Ten tourney. Very good team. So uh, uh, I guess we have to wait until uh, the Big Ten tournament to see them play, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? But uh, as you mentioned, that is a that is a quality team. And uh, <clears throat> it'll be fun to see when, uh, when they eventually do meet. Well, Coach Eric Backage uh, easily has his best team uh, since becoming head coach at Michigan Baseball. Ranked in the top 20 right now, and they, John, are in the thick of the Big Ten race. Great season so far. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I think that uh, the baseball team has um, surprised maybe some people as uh, as good at it as it has been. And uh, you... you we're correct in noting that they are in the thick of the Big Ten race. Uh, you know they're they're seven and five in conference right now, but thirty one and nine overall. And um, I, I like this team. There's no doubt that uh, it is playing uh, with some fire. Uh, you know they had uh, you know a bit of a, a tough stretch against Indiana, losing a couple of games uh, over the weekend. But I, I think um, this is a team that has got a decent schedule down the stretch and um and I'm I, I I like 
what uh, he has. I know that that he likes what he has in place. Um, you look at some of the people that are delivering for the Wolverines. You've got uh, Echo Thomas hitting, um, you know, 406. Uh, Michael Berdar at uh, at 448. You got uh, got Johnny Slater hitting an even 500. They, there are a lot of people that uh, you know. I look down this lineup and. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, strong offensive players, and they're getting some pitching. They're they're getting, you know, it's deep in the number of guys that have won uh, four or five games at this point, and uh, so it's. I, I think that this is a team that can uh, stay in contention and uh, and really also point towards tournament time. Starting pitching the rotation has been very good, but the thing I like even better is that the bullpen is uh, coming along real nicely, too. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. These uh, You see some uh, some excellent ERAs and, and guys that are able to uh, come out there and close things down for them. It's, uh, it's good to see. There's no doubt. They've, uh, they've had a number of, uh, of players that, unlike our local professional <laughs> team, I, I, I hate to throw that in there, but uh, you have to be able to close a game out. And uh, and that's what uh, Backage has, uh, at least to this point, on his roster. Well, it's going to be a big spring for Michigan softball, baseball. So I encourage fans, get out there. We've got two of the uh, best in the country uh, playing this spring. So check it out. Another sport, though, John, we don't talk enough about probably is uh, tennis. Uh, number 10 women's tennis. Big 10 champions again uh, over the weekend for the seventh time in the last eight years Another great season for the ladies in what is an outstanding program. Again, we just don't hear that much about. Yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, it's it's tough sometimes for sports in Ann Arbor that don't happen to be, you know, football, basketball, hockey. Um, softball has carved out its own sort of special place among the fandom because of, uh, but, but I mean, you're talking about, decades of uh of high level winning and that starts to draw people's attention well you know you're you are in that uh sort of situation building with women's tennis and you know it is it's uh it, seven big 10 championships in 8 years is a very very big deal that's a that's a bowl like uh, sort of streak from the 70s and you know you you uh, you have to um, admire and appreciate what these gals are doing. <laughs> you you look at um, you know a uh, uh, Kate Fay. Uh, you look at Brian Miner. Uh, some of these uh, players that have really really come on and led this team. It's uh, it, it's impressive, and um, I, you know. All credit to uh, to the staff. All credit to uh, Ronnie Bernstein and what she's been able to do. Yeah, it, it's it's impressive. It's 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 the kind of thing uh, that if you win at that rate, and Carol Hutchins went through this, you your team begins to demand the attention 
that uh, it might not otherwise get. Very busy time of the year on the uh, Michigan athletic scene, and this week, of course, we're going to be glued to a variety of media outlets to learn what's up with Michigan football and their Rome trip. So I invite you to follow it on thewolverine.com, and I am sure, John, you'll have plenty of coverage in uh, the next magazine edition of the uh, entire Rome vacation. No doubt about it. Rome, Mel Pearson, uh, basketball recruiting, you name it, it'll be in there. Always the best, our Wolverine Bible. My guest on this week's Game Day segment has been, of course, the editor of the Wolverine, John Borton. As always, John, thank you for your time, and we already look forward to our next visit. All right, appreciate it, Mike. Uh, Always great to be on with you. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, number 19-ranked Michigan softball claimed its sixth straight Big Ten Conference Series and its second straight run rule decision, beating Wisconsin 8-0 in five innings on Sunday afternoon in front of a record crowd of 2,297 fans at the Badgers' Goodman Diamond. Michigan scored in three of five innings in the abbreviated game, plating three in the first to earn a lead it did not relinquish. Junior first baseman Tara Blanco provided the early advantage with a three-run homer, while sophomore catcher Katie Alexander posted a double, a triple, and two RBIs. Senior pitcher Megan Betza, who is 19-7, earned her 10th complete game shutout of the season, striking out 10 Badger hitters. Her sixth straight game with double-digit strikeouts, while scattering three hits and two walks. The Wolverines, who are 34-10-1 overall, 14-2 in the Big Ten, will host their final Big Ten home series this weekend, welcoming Indiana for a three-game set at the Wilpon Complex, home of Alumni Field. The series kicks off at 6 p.m. on Friday. Nearly every Wolverine recorded a run and an RBI on Sunday, as number 13 Michigan baseball rallied for a 12-5 victory over Indiana in the Big Ten series finale at the Wilpon Complex, home of Ray Fisher Stadium. The win snaps a two-game losing streak for the Wolverines and marks the end of Michigan's scheduled 18-game homestand. Again, the number 13-ranked Wolverines will return to action this Friday as they hit the road for a weekend Big Ten series at Rutgers. First pitch for Friday's contest is set for 3 p.m. The Wolverines are 31-9 overall, 7-5 in Big Ten play, heading into this weekend's action. Like us on Facebook at The Michigan Man, and follow us on Twitter, also at The Michigan Man. Our free show app is available from iTunes and the Google Play stores. And if you are an iHeartRadio person, you can find us there now. Just do a search for The Michigan Man and save us to your favorites. Once again, a programming reminder. In May, June, and July, we move to our summer schedule of two regular shows a month, and we'll throw in a Michigan Man Extra each month. We'll let you know on Twitter and Facebook when that will air. So next month, we will air on May 10th and 24th. In August, we return to our weekly schedule. Then during the season, of course, it's twice a week. And from December through April, once a week. So we are not going away, just slowing down to, you know, sort of charge the batteries and get rested up for another big year of Michigan football, which, believe it or not, is right around the corner. So we'll see you again on May 10th. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Take care, and as always, go blue.
Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!